Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirman Dafyomi. We are now in the final podcast of our study of the first chapter of Masachat Sota, dealing with the final Mishnah, which is studied back on Daf Tetamudbet, about Midah Keneged Midah, and the final bit was about Yosef, who buried Yaakov, and then Moshe buried Yosef, and the Ibn Shalom buried Moshe. Yosef Zacha, the top of Yud Gimel Amr Aleph. Why does it first say that Yosef went up with the servants of Pharaoh? Then it says that Yosef went up with his family. And he returned, first it mentions his brothers, and then it mentions all the other entourage. Before, everybody saw the great honor given to Yaakov. After everybody saw the great honor, they also came and honored him. It's a theme that we'll see later on in the burial of Yaakov. It says that when they came, they came, uh, they came up to Goren Ha'atad, which is a strange phrase if it's seen as a name, that, uh, not as a name, but rather as a description. It's a granary for thorn bushes. That they surrounded Yaakov's um, beer uh, like a uh, like a granary that is surrounded by thorn bushes. They would evidently plant thorn bushes around a granary to protect it. All of these great leaders of the Middle East, who are all descendants of Avraham, came to pay homage to Yaakov. And that, of course, raised the, este- the esteem of Yaakov in the eyes of the Egyptians, and therefore they joined in the entourage too. Tana, kulavnu machamabo. So we have a tradition that they really came for war. But they saw Yosef's crown hanging on the Aron, the crown of the regent of Egypt. They did the same, and they put their crowns there. Tana, a tradition was there were 36 crowns there. They gave a very um, great mourning. Mispeid uh, in in biblical Hebrew means mourning, and rabbinic Hebrew means uh, eulogy. And so now we're going to interpret this rabbinically. That even the animals were mourning. Now they got to where Yaakov was supposed to be buried. Esav himself came and said, he can't bury him there. Amarlehan Mamre Kiryata Bahi Chevron. The Chevron uh, is Kiryat Arba. I mean, it's like Kiryat Arba. Why is it called Kiryat Arba? So the famous Midrash, Arba Zugot Hayu, that there's four pairs there. Adam Lechava, that's of course the Midrash. Avram Sarai, Yitzchak Rivka, Yaakov Olea. That's who's supposed to be there. He used his part, the half of his cavern that he owns. To bury Leah. The other half is mine, Esav says. Amulay is Vinta. So they said to you, Esav, you already sold your portion. I sold my special portion as the firstborn. She took them Vina, but I didn't sell my, my, uh, my inheritance, uh, in total. I still have a chelakab. Should be an even, uh, even an heir with Yaakov. So if there's one spot for Yitzchak's kids, I should get one. He should get one. They said, no, you sold everything. When Yaakov commanded Yosef, he said in the, in the kever, which literally means that I dug out, the way they're reading it, Kira is short for Mechira, meaning the, the barrel ground, not that I dug, but rather that I bought. 
They bring some sort of a, a, a Greek form that seems to support that. Which means he's saying that, I, that Yaakov says, I fully bought the entire kever. So Esav said, let's see the, the deed. We left it in Egypt. Uman Nezel, so who's gonna go? Nezel Naftali. Let Naftali run and get it. To Kalal Kiayalta, he's light like a gazelle. Tirtivna Naftali Ayala Shlucha Notain Imre Shefer. In Yaakov's blessing to Naftali, he says he's like a scent gazelle who brings beautiful words. Don't read beautiful words, but rather the words of the scroll, meaning the uh, the document. Now, in the meantime, Chushim paraded Dan Tamanhave. Dan's one son, Chushim, was there, and his name is, according to this, is kind of ironic because Chush means a sense. He was hard of hearing, which is fun to give a name Chushim to somebody who's hard of hearing. They said, what's going on? This fellow, Esav, won't let us bury Yaakov until Naftali comes back. So before Uncle Naftali comes back from Egypt, Grandfather should be lying here in disgrace? Shakal Kulfa Machiereshe. He took a stick and he hit Esav in the head and he killed him. Natran Ene, his eyes popped out, Vinaflo Akari Yaakov, and they fell right at the feet of Yaakov. Patchinu Yaakov Laene Yaakov miraculously opened his eyes, Viachich, and he smiled. Behind Rikhtiv, Smacht Sadiki Chazan Akan, Kamavi Chatz Bidam Harashad. That Sadiq smiles when he sees the vengeance. That's the prophecy of Rivka that was said. Really, Rivka said this about Yitzchak and Yaakov. He said, Yaakov, run away, because Esau's going to kill you the day that Yitzchak dies. Why should I lose both of you on the same day? But the way she were reading it is Eshkal is about losing children. Why should I lose both of my children on the same day? Even though they didn't die on the same day, because Yaakov had died 70 days earlier in Egypt, they were both buried on the same day. Yaakov, Marat, Machpelah, and Esau, wherever he was buried. What, and if Yosef hadn't involved himself, the brothers would not have? The children all brought him up. Nonetheless, the son said, it's a greater honor for father to have a king, in other words, Yosef, be involved with his burial, rather than we who are uh, civilians, as it were. Okay, so the end of the Mishnah says that nobody is greater than Yosef. How do we know he's great? Because none other than Moshe Rabbeinu involved himself in burying him. Look how much Moshe Rabbeinu loves mitzvot. Everybody else is gathering gold and silver and fancy garments from the Egyptians. And Moshe is involving himself in mitzvot. mitzvot. A smart person grabs mitzvot. How did Moshe know where Yosef was buried. I mean, the simple assumption is that there was a famous uh, entombment of Yosef. There was one person left from that generation who had known Yosef, and that was Asher's daughter, Serach. Moshe went to her. You know where he's buried? They took a metal uh, coffin, and they put him in it, and they put it inside the Nile. Because they figured that how, that's how their waters would be blessed. So he stood at the banks of the river. Amarlo, Yosef, Yosef. Now is the time HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that he's going to redeem you. And now the oath that you forswore your brothers 
to bring your bones up when we're redeemed has come. If you appear mutav, then fine. If you don't appear, we are free of the oath. Immediately it bobbed up to the surface and Moshe got it. Don't be so surprised that uh, metal can uh, can uh, can rise, that iron can rise. The famous story about Elisha's students, the B'nai Ha'avim, who were building a house, and one of them was chopping down wood, and the uh, the the blade of the axe flew off and went into the water, and he, he went to complain to Elisha and said, what am I going to do? It's a borrowed axe. And so the uh, Elisha said, "Where did show me where in the water it fell?" And he took a cut a piece of wood, and he threw it into the water. And the and the blade came to up came up. So you see that barzel that iron can float, of course miraculously. Think about this. Elisha was Eliyahu's protege, and Eliyahu, in a sort of distant sense, was Moshe's protege. So the iron floated up for Elisha. Certainly, the master himself, Moshe Rabbeinu, it will float for He was buried. And the special tombs of the kings. Moshe went there. Amar Yosef, Baruch Baruch said, "I'm going to redeem you." Now is the time. Yisrael, the same thing. We are free of your oath. So which which uh, coffin was Yosef? Started shaking, so he knew which one it was. He took it. The whole time that they were in the desert, there were the two arks, the coffin that carried Yosef's bones and the ark that had the uh, the Aron HaKodesh. And they were next to each other. And everybody who passed by said, What do these two have to do with each other? One is a, a, a corpse and one is the Shechina. Is it appropriate to have a corpse next to the Shechina? This one, meaning Yosef, fulfilled everything that was written in this one, meaning the Torah. And now going back to the same question we asked about Yaakov's burial. If Yosef had not been taken care of by Moshe, would the rest of Am Yisrael not take care of him? At the end of Sefer Yeshua, it said that Bnei, Yisra- that Bnei Yisrael involved themselves with the burial of Yosef. And if Am Yisrael wouldn't, at least Yosef's sons, his grandsons would have taken care of him. The, the area where Yosef was buried in Shechem was, became their Nachala, so it was in their own territory. So they said, you know what, we'll let Am Yisrael bury him, it's more, more honor for there to be more people. And it's better to let the older people be involved than us. He was stolen from Shechem, so they said, we'll return him to the place where he was stolen from. That's where he was thrown into the pit. Now, Kashu Kriyadadi, we have an internal contradiction. Ktiv, Aikach Moshe Tatzmot Yosef, Moshe took him, internal meaning in the sugi that we just had. Ktiv, Vatatzmot Yosef, Asher Lu Bnei Yisrael. It says Bnei Yisrael took him. Anybody who starts a mitzvah but doesn't finish it, and someone comes along and finishes it, the one who finishes it gets credit as if he did the whole thing. 
So you see, when Esau got credit for burying Yosef, even though they only took over at the end. Rabbi Elazar Omer, You actually lose your greatness that you had if you don't finish the job. Yehuda did not finish the job of saving Yosef, and therefore he went down from his brothers. We already dealt with whether that was topographically down to Timna. He ends up burying his wife and children. Yehuda's wife died. And two of his sons died. Which, of course, led to the whole story with Tamar. And that's because all because of Yehuda's not completing the job of saving Yosef. Why did Yosef in his life refer to himself as bones? When he said at the end of Sefer Breshid, when I die, bring my bones up. Because the one fault he had was he did not protest when his father's honor was being besmirched, although they did not know it. To when Yehuda came to Yosef, not knowing it was Yosef, it says, your, your servant, our father, will be brokenhearted if Binyamin doesn't come back, etc. He didn't say, don't call him my servant. So he allowed his father's honor to be sort of dragged in the dirt, and he didn't protest. Why did Yosef die first of all his brothers? After all, he was next to youngest. He should have died next to last. He got because he lorded himself over them. Yosef Urad Mitzrayim, at the beginning of the story of Mrs. Potiphar, it says that Yosef was taken down to Mitzrayim. Meaning, he didn't, wasn't just taken down to Mitzrayim, he also took Mitzrayim down with him, as it were. He took Pharaoh's wizards and astrologers down from their greatness. After all, before he came along, they had the sole, uh, the monopoly over interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. Now once Yosef came, he took them down several notches and he took their place. Potiphar is called Sris Paro. Now the word Saris, as I mentioned in the Esther podcasts, really comes from the word Shelro. Ocean, it means someone who serves the king. Uh, but the way that it's read in parts of Tanakh and rabbinically is somebody who's a eunuch. So why did Potiphar buy him? Bought him for himself, meaning for sexual reasons. Right? So what happened? Gabriel was, Baba Gabriel was, so that's why he's called a Saris, that Gabriel came and castrated Potiphar so he couldn't act on Yosef. Or else Gabriel came and, and hurt him. Right, and that's why he's on me. Karaktiv Potiphar Vasov Potiphar. Reading that Potiphar, Yosef's master, and Potiphar, Yosef's later father-in-law, who are the same person. A little difficult because Potiphar is an executioner, and Potiphar is a kohen of the uh, sect of On. But nonetheless, we drastically read them as the same person. So Potiphar becomes Potiphar because he ends up getting castrated. By a Malach. Alright, Milad of Gadomi Moshe, and of course the end of the Mishnah is that Moshe Rabbeinu was buried by the Rabbana Shalom. This is when Hashem is responding to Moshe's prayer to allow him to come and see the land. This is just like with Haker with Yehuda. It was with the word Rav that he gave bad news, as it were, and he got himself in trouble, so he got the bad answer with the word Rav. Barav Biser, Rav Lachem. When, Yo, when Ye, Moshe spoke to Bnei Korach, Korach's uh, Adat Korach, he said, Rav Lachem, you've got enough. Barav Biser, Rav Lach. So HaKadosh Baruch said to him, you've got enough, you won't see the land. Tavacha Rav Lach, meaning Rav Yeshlach. When HaKadosh Baruch said to him, Rav Lach, he meant, you have a master. Mano, Yoshua. Yoshua will come into the land. Tavacha Rav Lach, Shalom Ruha, Rav Kama Kasheva, Tamid Kama Sarvan. 
you got a standoff here, and everybody's going to say that this, the master is being stubborn, and the student is being stubborn, and what's going to happen to us? You've got to give in, Moshe. Chokach lama? Why couldn't Moshe see the land? Because according to the camel, is his burden, meaning Moshe Rabbeinu was so great that even this relatively small thing of Memeriva, was, uh, he, he was punished in a very exacting manner on it. Now, when Moshe was about to die, he said, I'm 120 years old today. You don't have to say today. What he was saying is, today exactly is my, my life is complete. Uh, today is my birthday. Today is my day of my death. completes the years of tzaddikim from day to day and from month to month. I will fill your days. Moshe says, I can no longer go out and come back. This is when he's, hand, he's, he's giving the charge to Yeshua to take over, and Moshe's going to die that day. What does it mean, if it really means to walk out and come back? In his eulogy, it says, His, his juices are vital, his eyes are still good. And Moshe Rabbeinu went all the way up to the mountain on the day of his death. He still killed very strong. There were 12 big steps. Moshe took them in one step. What he means is Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, I can no longer carry myself with the very Torah. That his wisdom was sealed off from him. Kodesh Baruch was telling him it's time for a new leader. So he Moshe and Yeshua went and stood in front of Olmoed. That was the Shabbat of two leaders. It was taken from Moshe and given to Yoshua. It was the handoff day. It weren't for the fact the text said it, you could never say it. Think about this. Where did Moshe die? He died in Nevo, which is Reuven's territory. At, uh, at, um, Ma'on, etc., etc., at Nevo. This is at the end of Parsha Matot. It says, B'nai Ruvain built the city of Nevo. Vechan Moshe Kavur, where's Moshe buried? Bechel Koshal God. How do we know that? Tichtiv, Ayar Rashid Lo, in the bracha given to God, it says, Chalkat Mechokek Safun. That's where the Mechokek, the lawgiver, is buried. God How far is it from Ruvain's territory to God's? Arba Milin. So how did he get from where he died to where he was buried? Moshe was carried by the Shekhinah in his wings, as it were. And they were saying, The end of the Pasuk about God was really what the Malachim were saying, sort of like a Tzidu Kadin. And who will stand up for me against the evildoers now that Moshe is gone? Or maybe HaKadosh Baruch Hu was saying, the Pasuk in Kohelet, who is wise and who knows to bring peace between people like Moshe? Wisdom cannot be found. Say Moshe is gone. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, Moshe died. The great scribe of Israel. There were 12 meals squared 
corresponding to the size of Machane Yisrael. For that amount, Bat Koma Shmiya Vilmer, Vayamun Moshe Safar Abed Yisrael. That's where the eulogy, the, 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 the cry, that Moshe, the great scribe of Israel, has died. Shomim no mate Moshe. Some people say he didn't die. Tiva Chavayamot Sham. It says he died there. When Moshe was on Harsinai, he was there. Malan just like in Harsinai, he was standing and serving God. Afkan he's still standing and serving God. He said he buried him facing Beit Peor. There's a sign within a sign, meaning exact location is given. Eretz Moab, Mul Beit Peor, Bagai. Nonetheless, nobody could find his burial place. The uh, Romans sent a message to the the uh, garrison that was in Beit Peor. Show us where Moshe is buried. So they stood on top of the mountain in Melam Lamata. It looked like he was buried below. Lamata and Melam Lamala. They went down. It looked like he was buried up on top. So they split into two groups. The group that was on top, it looked like Moshe was below. The Matan Melahim Lamala. The one who was below looked as above. So that fulfills now the Pasuk that is not a description, but rather a prophecy. Nobody will ever know the place of Moshe Rabbeinu's burial. Even he himself didn't know where he was buried. No man knew his burial. Moshe is called Ish HaElohim. So even in Ish, even Moshe himself doesn't know where he's buried. Why was Moshe buried near Beit Peor, the house of this idolatrous sect of the uh, of the East Bank? He was buried there in order to atone for the actions of Peor, where 22,000 Bnei Israel died. Says you should follow Hashem. Can a person follow Hashem? Hashem is an all-consuming fire. Means you should follow Hakadosh Baruch Hu's midot. You'll see in a minute why this is here. Just like Hashem clothes the naked, God made uh, these um, these leather clothes. Uh, for Adam and Chava, Afatal Beisharmim. It's your job also to clothe the naked. Hakadosh Baruch Hu biker cholim. Hakadosh Baruch Hu visited the sick. Dichtiv vayirai lav Adonai beilonim amrei. Hashem visited Avraham, and the tradition is that was the third day from Brit Milah. Afatal biker cholim. You also should visit the sick. This is how you follow God. You follow by imitating God's behaviors that He's broadcast to us in the Torah. Hakadosh Baruch Hu nichem avelim. Hakadosh Baruch Hu comforted the morning. Dichtiv vayiachemot Avraham vayvarachalim yitzchak beno. After Avraham died, Hashem visited Yitzchak as it were. You also comfort the mourners. That's why this is here. You also bury the dead. Now, what are these uh, garments that Hashem made for Adam and Chavar? Something that comes from skin? Maybe it means garments that the skin can benefit from, can enjoy. Beautiful, beautiful Simlai. The Torah begins and ends with acts of kindness. Hashem dresses Adam and ends with Chasadim as he buries Moshe. 
Darsh Rabbi Simoy, Neiman Ave Moshe Rabbeinu Likanais there to Israel. Why did Moshe want to come in there to Israel so much? Chalchom Piriyav Lisarich. Did he need to eat the fruit of Israel? Or this Bami Tuvah Tzarich? Did he need to be satiated from the good stuff of Israel? Al Kachamar Moshe. This is what he said. Harbei Mitzvot Nistavu Yisrael. There's a lot of Mitzvot we got. Ve'emit Kamei Olav Eretz Yisrael. Many of them can only be fulfilled in Eretz Yisrael. Ekanisa Ekanisa Nila Aris Kadesh Kamu Kulan Al Yadi. I want to come to the land so I can fulfill them personally. It's tell the story that Rabbi Brisker wanted nothing more than to retire from his Rabbonus and Brisk and make Aliyah and buy an orchard and fulfill all the mitzvot of the Yopparetz. Lo alabiyado. Amal HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Klum atam vakesh al kabel schar. You want it in order to receive the reward of the mitzvot? Ma'ale ani alecha kilu kiasitam. I'll consider it as if you did them. Shema lachen achalek lo berabim vet atzumim echalek shalal. I will give him um, great uh, bounty, great loot among all the mighty ones. Because he risked his life and stayed in, and stayed even with the wicked ones. He prayed for the bad people. This is some reference to Moshe Rabbeinu with the Egel. What does it mean? I'm going to give him Rabim. Maybe like the more recent ones. He will get uh, loot like the Atsumim, like the mighty ones. Kavnitzchak v'Yakov shen Atsumim b'Torah Mitzvot, who are mighty in Torah Mitzvot. Tachra Sheralam Avin Avshow because he risked his life. Shemasar Atzmol Mita. Shemari Ma'ayin Machin Namasifrocha. What did Moshe say? Either forgive the people or wipe me out of your book. He was ready to risk his life for Am Yisrael. What does I mention? He ended up getting counted with all those who died in the desert because he himself also died in the desert. This is an allusion, by the way, to the sheet of the Abarvanel that the reason Moshe Rabbeinu didn't come into the land really was because of the Gzera of the Meraglim. Take a look at the Abarvanel and Dvarim Aleph Lama Zayin. He was Machaper for the Egel. Poshim Yafkiyai prayed for the Poshim. Should be Kesher Achamim Hoshei Yisrael Shachzu B'Tshuva. He prayed that they should do Tshuva. And Pkalat Tfila, because Lahafkiya, we understand, may mean Tfila Shinamar. Ve'atal Tidpala Ba'Alam Azev Ve'al Tisad Ba'Adam Rinaot Tfila Ve'al Tifgabi. Hashem says, "Don't pray for these people." And Al Tifgabi, which is another form of prayer. And so that's what the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu is presented in Yeshayahu Nun Gimel. And therefore, Hashem says, "I'm going to give the reward as if you did all of the mit- these mitzvot." So we've completed a uh, uh, relatively long uh, parak, even though it's Sachakol uh, 13 daf. Nonetheless, the Agadah, which make up the second of uh, the bulk of the parak, um, each one of these Agadot are deep and profound and have much, much wisdom behind them. And unfortunately, part of the nature of the form of Dafyomi is that there really isn't the opportunity to examine them in full but they really are worthy of more treatment and anyone who can devote the time and the energy and the uh, scholarship to study them in depth and to understand them and uh, understand their profundity and the message, Ashrav V'ashrei Yoldav. In any case, we've completed Baruch Hashem, the, uh, the first parak, Hamakana Li'ishto, and we'll begin in Yitzh Hashem in the next podcast, Parak Sheni. Everyone should have a wonderful day.